during the holidays when people are eating bad and you know skipping their workouts and that's when you should double down that's when you should eat the best and double down on your workouts because you're going to be doing something different than everyone else and mentally does that help my physical you know my my physique or my health maybe probably right but more than anything mentally my identity changes what's going on guys this is the passive wealth strategy podcast Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Tyler Devereaux. Today, we're talking about a few things. Tyler is a super successful multifamily investor. He has bought, I think the tally he said was over $100 million in multifamily real estate through syndication. And today, we talk about his path going from... (laughs) He didn't grow up rich, right? And he tells us about that. He tells us where he came from is start in entrepreneurship and then shift into real estate investing some tough lessons that he learned along the way that now you know you can learn without uh i guess experiencing any of the downside which is really why we uh why we talk to and listen to people uh like tyler who've had that experience so we can learn those lessons that uh, they're sharing with us and you know they've also incorporated those lessons in their business as well so we all benefit uh, from those tough times I learned a lot from Tyler today. If you're in the multifamily space, either as an active or a passive investor, there's some really important lessons in here because Tyler, again, he talks about this in the show. He's one of those big guys with a lot of multifamily uh, syndications that he does on his own. And he has over seven figures of passive investment in other syndications. And that's something I've observed in the in this space that many of the big guys who are active syndicators, like I'm an active syndicator, will have quite a bit of passive investment out there that they don't talk about that much, but they have it, right? It's not their brand, but it's out there. And I think that goes to show that um, they believe in the strategy, obviously, they're looking for diversification and they find the operators that they want to do business with. And I think that's uh, that's all a great sign. So. He's got some important lessons, both from the active and passive uh, real estate investing side, and you're going to learn some of those today. For those of you who are new to this show, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy apartment buildings with passive investors and split the return. Great interview. Tyler's a really inspiring guy. Great to talk to, and I think you will enjoy this one as much as I did. Without any further ado, here we go with Tyler Devereaux from NF Capital Partners. Tyler, thank you for joining us today. Oh, man, grateful to be here. I appreciate you having me on for sure. So thank you. It's great to talk with you. I can see out the window behind you, uh, beautiful Hawaii. And uh, you know, oh, yeah. you, have, you have some awesome businesses going on. And uh, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, can you tell the listeners about you know what you do, your real estate investments and you know other businesses you have going on? Sure. Yeah. So I'm the managing partner. I forget that you can see that reflection, by the way. I was like, <laughs> what is he looking at, right? I forget about that. Uh, so yeah, live out in Maui, right? Tyler Devereaux, I'm the managing partner of MF Capital Partners, multifamily capital partners. We are, you know, privately held company. We control a little over a million, a hundred million uh, in assets. A little over, I don't know, coming up on about two thousand, just under two thousand units at this point. Spread across five different states. I'm also the co-founder of and the CEO of a company called the Multifamily Mindset. It is an action-based, you know, learning platform for active investors, right? To learn how to go through the syndication process. 
Uh, and I love that side of things. You know, it has a big focus on sales and mindset and obviously multifamily. And um, I'm big into all those, those avenues. I love to, to teach and I love to, you know, educate and just feel like I'm making a difference there. You know, I, I would say that that is my passion. I could do that until I die and just love it, you know? That's awesome. That's awesome. And you do have a, a fantastic portfolio and uh, I'd like to get a little bit uh, more fleshed out in terms of what did you do before you got into, you know, the multifamily syndication, like what you, what got you into uh, the business? Yeah. You know, I've always been curious about wealth always, you know, I grew up in a, uh, my mom was a single mom. She raised four kids and just a struggle, right? She's a, she's the, she's an amazing person, sincerely, just an amazing person. Like the things that she overcame and the attitudes that she had going through it. I look back now and it's just incredible to me, right? It's just incredible to me. But what that did is that caused me to never want to be in a position of financial strain, but it also made me want to have passive income because, you know, really how, you know, what ended up happening is my, my dad became, you know, kind of overwhelmed or obsessed kind of a little bit with his business which can certainly happen. I mean, that's not a knock on my dad at all. My dad is a great dude with a great heart. And I think that unless we truly set clear intentions, it's so easy for that to happen. And I feel really lucky because I feel like those intentions for me were naturally set before I even realized what I was doing, right? I I wanted to be there at everything when I had kids because my dad wasn't. And that's not a sob story. That is like, my dad obviously regrets that, but I, I see both sides, what it was like to not have him there. But on the other side, the regret that he has on his side. And so it is, it is to my core for as long as I can remember, I've just been so motivated to create wealth and be in a position so that I could have the time that I, you know, to do the things that I wanted to do, right? That, that true freedom, time freedom has just been a huge focus in my, my entire life for as long as I can remember. So I started my first business at 16. I uh, cleaned people's blinds, like the blinds that you know they have in their house. I would go and pick them up and wash them in this machine. Great business, right? And then I, you know, parlayed from there uh, to. Uh, I actually went on a, a service mission for a couple of years. I actually saved up all that money and I dedicated two years of my life to go serve and and talk about you know my religion, which I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I talked about Jesus Christ for two years. It was an awesome experience for me to be able to do that. And what that did is that just rooted me in, I, I had so much fulfillment in service, right? But it's very, very, very hard to replicate that in, you know, a normal day-to-day environment. You know, it's just, it's very, very hard in, in a workplace setting. So I started, I tried all sorts of things, you know, I, I have failed at more things than I've succeeded at. That's for sure. That's for sure. But I also feel like I have succeeded because I was willing to fail. You know what I mean? So it was a, uh, it was a grind. So I, I, you know, had some, uh, you know, sales profession. Uh, I started a web design, web hosting company. That's, you know, things took off there, ran that for, for a long time, started becoming obsessed or really kind of consumed by that, not obsessed, but consumed. And once again, my, my focus is to, to run from that, right. When that happens. So I sold off my web business and started investing in real estate. You know, I saw the value in real estate, started with single family properties. You know, really I just had some money. People told me that I should buy real estate and so I did. I certainly didn't view myself as a real estate investor, right? But I was trying, right? <laughs> so I had some some single family properties. I bought those, you know, right before the crash, then got burned, you know, during the crash and 
but I knew it wasn't real estate, right? I knew at that point, like the real estate, I saw the value. I, I truly, I saw the value. I just didn't know what I was doing, right? So I started getting educated, um, had single family properties flipped, wholesaled, single family rentals, and then realized like I needed a more scalable model. And multifamily was that scalable model. Uh, and I didn't even know that, that was possible. I, I was a pretty savvy investor. You know, I had multiple single family properties. I'd flip properties. I'd, I was pretty savvy in most people's eyes, but I literally had no idea what syndication was. And so when I learned about that, I was like, holy shit, man, we can buy apartments <laughs> together. And I'm like, let's do this. You know, I was pumped. So I dove in head first, man. And it is, it is something that I am uh, extremely grateful for. I, it is absolutely changed you know my quality of life and it allows me to live in maui which is you know something that i've dreamed of for a long time but didn't know if it would really be possible you know that's awesome that's awesome Grateful. so uh, tell us about you know that first multifamily property uh that you got into with other investors and you know how, how that went. I'm curious you know that that first uh not your first investment but your first investment with that strategy you know, what went right? What went wrong? Yeah. Where was it? Whew. All the above, man. There's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot in there, a lot packed in there. So my very first multifamily property was a 20 unit building. I was in Birmingham, Alabama. That was a different structure. I was terrified, Taylor, terrified to raise money. Like I told you, you know, we grew up in a household that didn't, didn't we didn't have money. Right. And there's a lot of people that helped us out at that point. And I, I was so grateful for that, but I was also I was embarrassed by that too, right? I, I, I always wanted to be on the other side of that. And so when I started thinking about raising funds, to me, in my mind, it was, I, I felt like I was a beggar with my hand out, right? Just begging for money, like, please help me with this deal. And so I, I really, sincerely, I was terrified about raising funds. And so that 20 unit deal, I didn't raise funds. What I did was I, <laughs> it was, a, I got it from a direct mail campaign. So directly from the seller. And I put, it was $339,000 all in. Yeah, that was my, that was the purchase price, right? And it was $50,000 or $50,000 down. So it was a 15% down. So $50,000 down. And I did that from a credit card uh, with a zero interest, zero interest for, I think it was like 12 months or something. Went in, repositioned it, uh, you know, refinanced it for, it was $465,000. I think it was like nine or 10 months later you know, put a hundred thousand in my pocket and all of a sudden my identity changed. And I was like, okay, I am not begging for money. Like these apartments, you know, and this is a small scale 20 unit apartment, but these apartments have so much value. And for me to just, I, I can't scale at the rate that I wanted to scale on my own. Plus I, I want to serve. I want to, I want to provide value to other people. That is, I preach that as much as I can. I feel like the true key to wealth is providing value, not money. You don't need money to make money. You need to provide value. If you understand how to provide value to other people, you will always be able to create wealth, right? And so I saw that with apartments and immediately started to figure out how to raise funds, how to attract those investors and how to go about it. You know, at that same time, I was also trying to run that 20 unit in Birmingham, which I didn't go into Birmingham because it was necessarily a, an emerging market, right? Some, some metro area that was just taking off, right? I, I went to Birmingham because it was cheap. I, and I could, that's the only thing that I could afford with my own funds, you know? 
which is never the best way to invest. It's just, it's just not. Even though that deal was profitable, that deal, man, that deal was a headache. And you know, I made tons of mistakes through that deal. One, probably even buying in the market in the neighborhoods that I did, I, I realized very quickly how important it was to, to research a metro area, but then to also research the actual neighborhood around there, right? Like what I'm actually, who my competitors are, who my tenant base, potential tenant base would be critical. Interesting. So that, how did you, you know, one of the common lessons that maybe would come up is, you know, property managers might want not want to manage in a particular area or the the price that you mentioned for 20 units. I mean, now in a decent market, that's a single <laughs> property. That's a maybe a couple of doors, right? Not 20 doors. So, you know, what was it tough finding property management? I mean, it sounds like it would be hard to manage something like that. I mean, it's, not bringing in that much income and, and like a range only, you know, there's a minimum cost to a range, right? And when somebody's paying 500 bucks a month in rent, there's not a lot of margin there to buy, you know, uh, appliances and stuff. Totally. The, the, the actual profit, profitability and ability to scale, right? And that's what I realized is not just the neighborhood, the neighborhood was an impact. And I'll talk about that too, but, but the actual size, right? 20 units is a pretty decent size, but it's actually harder to raise funds for. Uh, is what I know at this point, but it's also harder to get like truly good management companies in there because of what you just said, right? There's there's not a ton of profitability within that, and and ways that the management company can truly help you scale and grow that property either. And so that has that was always man, that was always the the battle there, like getting property managers in place and people that would you know do a good job and not try to cheat me. Because you know, there's not a ton of profitability, and so they're trying to skim off the top. And man, I know that I caught a lot of that, but I'm sure that there was a lot that I did not catch. But I'll tell you what it has made me do is understand truly how to manage property managers and how to interview those those property managers and to really get those relationships in place before I ever even buy a property, right? So that they can they're we're on the same page moving forward. And I know so. Property management was a big learning lesson for me out there, for sure, for sure. In fact, there was even a time where I we couldn't find a, a manager to to go out there, and we finally got this good manager, right? And he had been managing for uh, I don't even know, six months or so, right? And things were starting to pick up, occupancy. He was raising rents. I was like, I was getting pumped about it, right? Six months in, something from his past, and I still don't even know all the details came circling back and all of a sudden he's in federal prison. Oh, he goes man. to federal prison. And I was like, oh, shit, man, I got to get out of Birmingham, dude. I got to get out of Birmingham. So I started to, to scale and grow. And I actually started to scale pretty quickly once I bought that first one. I got a 75 unit in Austin. Uh, and then that's where I truly felt like things took off. You know, I lived in Washington, D.C., uh, actually in, in Arlington, Virginia. So semi-close to where you're at yeah, a little bit, right? And then we moved. And that's when I like started all this, bought the property in Birmingham. And then when I moved to, to Austin, that's when I really started to, 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 to really scale and grow. And 75, this 75 unit deal was the first deal that I brought investors in on. And I'll never forget the first like email that I got from, you know, it's quarter one, right? I send a little 2%, you know, distribution check, right? Guy invested 100K and he sends me this email and thanks me, right? He's like, thank you so much. He was a doctor, right? He's like, I work hard and I've always wanted to acquire wealth. 
uh, you know, real estate, but I don't have the time to do it. And, you know, I, I make good money, but if I don't work, I, I don't make money and I need to, you know, set this up. And I just, this is like, I see this as an opportunity for me to, to place my, you know, my income, my wealth to actually grow my wealth. And I want to do multiple of these, multiple of these deals a year. And I remember like getting to the bottom of that email and just being like, holy shit, man, I'm not begging for money. Like what we do is awesome. It was a total mindset shift for me, for sure. I like that mindset shift. And that's clearly, it's a part of, um, it's a part of your, I suppose, thought process, not just, uh, not just in your own business, but you mentioned previously the the coaching programs that you do that um, talk a lot about mindset, at least with uh, active investors out there that you're training. Totally. I, I think that that is key in the foundation to really in anything in life. Like literally, I say that the mindset principles that I've learned through the different coaching programs that I've taken personally, and now you know that we certainly coach and teach about as well, has had a gigantic impact, not just on my business, but my life, like, like truly my life, like how to truly take a situation, view the situation in, in the, the most, the, the best possible light, right? Everything's about perspective. And I look back and I, I learned, I, I feel like I truly learned this. My greatest mindset mentor in my life is my mom. You know, my mom, I told you, went through uh, just a bunch, right? But I watched my mom and I remember sending her a text message years later. I mean, this is actually fairly recent that I sent her the text message and asked her, you know, the toughest part of that. And she had said, you know, when, when everything happened, right, my parents split Now my dad moved out of the country to run the business, his business, um, that, that it was like hard for her to even get out of bed. Right. She says, but I continued to like, anytime I couldn't get out of bed for myself, I got out of bed for my kids. Right. And, it was baffling me to, for me to hear that because I knew that it was tough, right? But my mom, I'm telling you, is the happiest person I've ever met. And she would always say that, you know, positivity brings, you know, laughter brings positivity, positivity brings success, you know? So always find joy and, you know, laughter in anything that you can ever do. And she taught me mindset principles, Taylor, before I ever knew what mindset or power of positive thinking ever was, right? Wow. It was just huge for me. Wow. I love that. Well, I don't want to make too hard of a shift here, but I do want to address, you know, you live in Maui, you don't invest in Hawaii, at least as far as I know, you invest on kind of the opposite side of the globe, pretty close to it. Very much so. And how do you, you know, study these markets before you, you know, go into them? Because obviously it's like you said before, studying the markets and the neighborhood is something that you do now and had to kind of learn that lesson uh, the hard way. So how do you do that from such a distance? Yeah. So, you know, trying to run a, a property in Birmingham in a market that didn't necessarily facilitate growth made me get very creative on how I could actually grow the property, right? Grow, grow the, the bottom line. So now I, I thought about this and I was like, man, if I can take those learning lessons, right, and take them into a market that also complements the growth, you know, helps facilitate the growth that would uh, go gangbusters. And one of my mentors in this business is Dave Lindahl. And Dave Lindahl has a book called, you know who Dave is? Oh yeah. I saw you on stage at his event, man. I didn't tell you that, but uh, you know, we've been in the same room before. I didn't say that though. At one of my three day events or where at? Ultimate partnering, probably whenever it was that you were there. Yeah. A couple years ago. Taylor, look at you sneakily throwing throwing that in in the loop, dude. I love it. I got his book over. So yeah, Dave's on my, a stud. Yeah, over right? there, I love man. Dave. Oh yeah. 
Great book. Uh, so Emerging Real oh, Estate yeah. Markets was the one that I you know, first initially read. And I was like, it opened my mind to like understanding what to research, you know, job growth. I look at job growth and we have to have positive year over year job growth. And right now, obviously, there's not, if you look at year over year, there's not going to be really any metro area that has year over year growth, right? So now we look at, okay, those that got hit, because every market got hit, lost jobs, I mean, which, which ones rebounded the quickest, you know, and and where are they at now? That's that's what I'm looking at now, right? How have they rebounded? Where was their what was their unemployment rate at? You know, in March, what's it at now? You know, are there new companies still still moving in? I mean, that's a direct correlation with demand. As new companies move in, as new companies expand, then you know they need then people move in. So household formations is another indicator to look at. And you know these these passive investors. I know that your target audience, most of the people that are listening here, are passive investors, and these are things that as as somebody's bringing me a deal to invest in passively, because I have seven figures, well over seven figures, uh, you know, invested just passively in deals. So I invest passively all the time. And being able to understand the things to look for, essentially, right, within the market, within the property has made me obviously a better passive investor. Also how to interview the, the uh, operators, right? That's a big deal too. But the market, staying on, on track with this question, okay? Knowing what to look at. So household formations. I want actual households that are forming, right? That'd be, you know, 2% uh, year over year household formations. Uh, population. I look for positive trends over the past three years and also positive projected growth. Um, growth, right? Job growth. And, and this, this is the type of stuff that I'm looking for. Also uh, a diverse economy, right? Not just, not just jobs that are tied up in one industry, but a, a diverse mix so that when something happens, uh, you know, like, you know, the pandemic, right? Or, or just, you know, one field, if you're all just all in on one field and that field gets hit, well, that takes down everything, right? So we need diversity. So those are the kind of things that I look for. And then as I go into the actual neighborhood research, you know, market research is important, but like neighborhood research takes that, that knowledge, that understanding on a whole nother, like a more granular level, right? Our biggest focus over the past year so that neighborhood research, you know, it takes you to a whole nother just granular level level there, right? So I'm looking at that point, I'm looking for, uh, you know, crime rates, school districts, you know, home ownership rates versus rental, uh, you know, rental percentages, re- uh, rental rates, um, near nearby conveniences, you know, grocery stores, uh, shopping centers, stuff like that, restaurants, relevant employment opportunities, you know, people generally, you know, want to avoid high crime areas, you know? pretty, pretty natural. Uh, but they're also families are also super particular in the school that they live in. Well, a, a resource, there's a resource that I use called greatschools.org is where I, I, I research that. And it helps me understand, you know, the, the school districts, the districts, you know, that that apartment that I'm buying in, you know, what, what type of district it, is it in? What are the ratings? And it really helps me once again, understand the, the neighborhood. And this is, once again, the initial question, right, was how do I do all these things from, from Maui now investing in the Carolinas? I'm in Maui. That's a hell of a trip, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, teams. yeah, you know, it's a, you know, it's exactly. a hell of a trip. Oof, I just got back. I was telling Taylor before the cover, we went live that I just got back from South Carolina doing a, a couple property tours on some properties we're buying. And man, that is a jaunt. I mean, you get, I get back from that trip and I am just 
inoperable the next day. You know, I feel like I have the biggest hangover ever, right? <laughs> so, crazy. So to be able to do that research, I have to really be able to utilize, you know, digital platforms, online platforms, but also teams. I have one of the first things that I do when I go into a market is build my teams up. And, and as you start to build your teams up, you know, your property management companies will go and walk the property for you, you know, tell you pros and cons. I have contractors that will go and walk the property for me to give me, uh, you know, information on what type of capital improvements would need to be done, what kind of CapEx budget we should plan for. Uh, so I can start running numbers before I ever make a flight. And then we also like to have operating partners like that live in the area that I'm investing in, right? And that's not always possible. And it's not 100% necessary, but it is very nice when you have, you know, operating partners, especially when you're going into a new market that can, you know, swing by the property regularly. You know, once you build your team members up, those team members are trusted relationships. I mean, I look at our relationships in North and South Carolina, it is trust them explicitly, right? To go and walk properties and tell me what's going on. It's, uh, which makes it a lot nicer. That's for sure. Awesome. I love it. Well, right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Tyler, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, great. First one, what's the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Best investment that I ever made uh, besides my education would definitely be uh, my wife. No question. My wife is... I would never be where I'm at without her. And, and when I say investment, that's, I'm not even talking monetary. I'm talking, you know, I, I tell you that I'm big into sales principles, right? The best sell that I've ever made in my entire life <laughs> is trying to figure out how to get Brittany to marry me. And it is, I cried. I'm just telling you right now, Taylor, I cried multiple times through that courtship. She was a tough sell. Okay. <laughs> tough one. When I'm saying, in, you know, investment, I mean, time to truly flourish that relationship. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not foreign to hard work. It's not hard for me to work hard. Like I, I enjoy it. I would say that it's actually probably more in my nature than not. Right. But my biggest primary focus is time with family. I said that in the very beginning. And so spending the time and focusing to make sure that I, I, I nourish that relationship has paid huge dividends. There's no way ever that I'd be where I'm at without her. I mean, I remember one of the toughest times of my life. We were just about to have, I was just about to become a dad and I was investing in real estate, but I also had like a, a, a side gig, I guess you would say, right? That paid good chunk of money that allowed me to have a lot of freedom when it came to real estate. And I got a call randomly saying that, you know, I was being let go or they weren't contracting with me anymore to do that, right? And it floored me, Taylor. And I remember sitting at home and, you know, not know, this is seven years ago or so, you know, not knowing really where I'm going to go from there, knowing that I, of course, I'm still going to double down on real estate, but it was an impact, right? And my wife comes home and I was literally, we're uh, just found out we're pregnant or she's pregnant, right? But I helped with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just terrified to hear what she's going to say. And she walks in the door and I tell her and she goes, what a dumbass! What a dumbass! Well, I'm not, you'll figure something. That's who you are, who you are to your core. You'll figure it out. I'm not worried at all. And she walked in the restroom and I remember sitting on the couch and just being like, holy shit, that's what I needed, man. I needed that. 
like and literally it had such an impact man and experiences like that a million times over I, that's my best investment and always will be i love her i'm so grateful for it well we had the best investment great answer on the other side of that we have the worst investment what is the worst investment you ever made worst investment that i ever made was uh probably uh an ira that i have and i know that sounds silly okay but i took i got talked into creating an ira this is years ago wait before i even was in, into real estate stuff right and or maybe at the very beginning stages and so i i dumped this money into an ira and my accountant told me that was to help with some tax write-offs and it did help with a little tax write-off but that thing that was right before the crash and so that thing did nothing but plummet and i mean it was in there before i cast it out it was in there for i don't know seven years or something and literally i was i think i was like 500 over seven years i was 500 less than when i initially put it in and i was like shit i'm never investing in ira again you know never that was the worst one that that investment was was a, a no-go for me so you would have put that money to uh, to other use, almost certainly. It makes me sick, actually, when I truly think about it. When I really think about, and this is hindsight. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? I'm grateful that I know what I know now, and it's these baby one percent changes, right, that make a huge difference. And it, if I would have known now, or then what I know now, I mean, it wasn't a ton of money, but it was a ton of money to me back then. I'll tell you that right now, and. Yeah, it'd be a different, it'd be a different experience for sure. Nice. My favorite lesson here at the end of the show, favorite question, excuse me, here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? You know, one of my first mentors in this business, his name was Jeremy. And I learned so much from this guy, man, so much on way more than just a multifamily level, like on a, on a true personal level, you know, he taught me things like attacking fear. You know, anytime you feel nervous or anxious, it's a sure sign you need to take action. And, and so instead of running from my fears, I, I truly got in the habit of attacking fear, right? It's still to this day, if I start feeling nervous about something, my buddy called me the other day, told me he wants to go, he's coming out to visit, tells me, tells me he wants to go skydiving. I've been skydiving before. I've been before and I loved it. But immediately my heart starts to pound, right? Like, oh, jeez, man. I have kids now. Like, what if I, what if I, so, but immediately I'm like, well, shit, I got to attack it. If I'm feeling nervous or anxious, I got to take action. Right. But that's important. But let me tell you the biggest thing that I learned from Jeremy before I get too sidetracked down that is, you know, to find ways to essentially separate yourself, I guess is the best way to put it. So I remember in the very beginning stages, it was, I don't know, maybe my first year or something of investing, I was working on two deals during Christmas. And I remember I worked all through Christmas, man, like all through Christmas. And I wondered multiple times to make sure that these, this, this, these deals would close, right? That everything was being put in place. And I remember multiple times throughout that process thinking, is this worth it, right? My whole major why, my definite major purpose is what I call it, is time with family. And here I am missing Christmas activities with family in the name of work. And then I, I compared that to you know a few Christmases before that, we'd went to Ghana and we'd done a service trip in Ghana. We'd spent Christmas out there in an orphanage, and that was so fulfilling, right? Different. It was a different Christmas, you know, no snow, no family, no nothing, but no presents, but like it was very fulfilling. And I remember sitting in my office working on these deals, 
and thinking to myself, man, like, am I really going down the right path here? Right. And I remember calling Jeremy and talking to Jeremy about it. And he, he and, and family members are telling me, you know, you know, why are you working so hard? Don't you know it's Christmas? Right. And Jeremy essentially told me that uh, I'm looking at it the wrong way. Right. He's like, Tyler, you don't understand the times like this, when people are taking things easy, you know, you know, he, I, he said something like, you know, people, it's a holiday. Christmas is a holiday, but people take the entire month to celebrate Christmas, right? And those times, those, those instances, those are where you separate yourself. Here's what's going to happen. Your identity is going to change, right? And you'll start to view yourself in a, you know, this light of being able to do hard things, do things that other people aren't willing to do, right? Or, or even that your past self wasn't willing to do. And not all just about, you know, separating yourself from other people. It's about separating yourself from your current self, right? Progression. He's like, so I want you to look at it a different way and look for, go the opposite direction than the majority, essentially. You know, when, when it, during, during the holidays, when people are eating bad and, you know, skipping their workouts and that's when you should double down. That's when you should eat the best and double down on your workouts because you're going to be doing something different than everyone else. And mentally, does that help my physical, you know, my, my physique or my health? Maybe, probably, right? But more than anything, mentally, my identity changes. And so the best lesson that I've learned to bring this full circle is to utilize those, those, those opportunities to separate myself. Any time that I possibly can, you know, we only truly achieve what we feel that we're worth. And so when we start doing things that other people aren't willing to do, or that even, you know, like I said, our former self isn't willing to do, we start to believe that, you know, the new you deserves more. Right. And that's a huge deal. That's, that's a huge deal. I do the same thing with family. You know, I told you family is my biggest thing. So when do most people spend time with family, including myself after work, I go to work first thing. And then I spend time with family, the separator there. And I learned this from Jeremy as well is to flip that and spend time with your kids. I didn't have kids when Jeremy was mentoring me. This is my friendship that you know has developed afterwards. And it's when you spend time with kids and family, kids and your, you know, your wife, after you get done with work, that's when you're frustrated, you're tired, your patience is low. You know? You've used all that on other things. You should spend time with them first thing in the morning. And when you're the most patient, you're your best self, you have time to explore, you're willing to do that, right? And you'll you'll flourish, you know, in, in your family life. And so, anyway, the, the point, right? Separators. Anytime that I can, I'm looking for them. That's the best lesson that I've learned. Nice. I love that. Well, Tyler, thank you for joining us today and all the lessons and everything. If folks want to learn more about you, if they want to get in touch, if they want to find you, where can they do that? Yeah. So, MF Capital Partners or uh, mfcapitalpartners.com. Uh, you can email me to Tyler at MF Capital Partners, as in multifamily. Some people think MF is, you know, mother effing Capital Partners. <laughs> multifamily, <be>. right? <laughs> <laughs> so Tyler at the uh, at multifamily or mfcapitalpartners.com. Hit me up or hit me up on Facebook, LinkedIn, just my name, anytime. All right, awesome. Well, Tyler, thanks once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for joining us as well. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. 
If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. We are also now live streaming on YouTube. We live stream this on YouTube. Go find us on YouTube. I see we got some people watching here now as I'm uh, as I'm recording. Thanks for uh, joining us and uh, go look us up, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.